We're here today to speak with one of our contributors to our new book, How to Heal Our Divides. Reverend Brandon Robertson is a noted author, activist, and public theologian working at the intersections of spirituality and social renewal. A prolific writer, he's the author or contributor to 12 books on spirituality, justice, and theology, including Indy's Book of the Year Award finalist, True Inclusion, Creating Communities of Radical Embrace, and the best-selling devotional, Strength in Faith. He writes regularly for Pathios and has bylines in Time Magazine, San Diego Union Tribune, The Huffington Post, NBC, and The Washington Post. As a trusted voice on progressive faith and politics, Brandon is a regular commentator in national and global media outlets, including National Public Radio, The Independent UK, The New York Times, and Politico. Brandon's worked as a national organizer of people of faith for respected organizations such as Interfaith Alliance of Colorado and Faith in Public Life, and is a founding member of the Union of Affirming Christians and the Global Interfaith Commission on LGBT plus, LGBTQ plus lives. Brandon has also been a featured speaker at several of our Writing for Your Life events. Brandon received his Bachelor of Arts in Pastoral Ministry and Theology from Moody Bible Institute, his Master's in Theological Studies from Iliff School of Theology, and is completing a Master's in Political Science at Eastern Illinois University. He currently resides in Washington, D.C. So Brandon, it's so great to have you participating in this project. It's always good to do uh, be involved in anything that you're up to, and this one's particularly um, compelling and I think really important for the moment that we're in. I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how, how this all plays out, but, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, this, the timing of this and the need for this is, is pretty clear. So I kind of gave a quick overview of, of the many things that you've already accomplished at a relatively young age, but maybe you could kind of give us a little bit more flavor of uh, how you got to where we are today. Yeah. I mean, I think the long story short is I've uh, been called to be a pastor since I was uh, a young boy. I grew up here in Maryland uh, in a conservative Christian context, felt called to be a pastor around the age of 12. And from 12, year old, uh, 12 years old to today, 28, uh, I've been pursuing that calling and living into that calling in different ways. Um, of course, my faith and life has shifted and evolved a ton over that time span. Uh, I'm definitely uh, quite a progressive Christian today. I now identify um, openly gay, which was a long journey in my theological process. And I also began to see my calling in pastoral ministry um, as not limited to the four walls of a church, but actually um, I felt like the true ministry I was being called to is to use my voice as uh, a tool for speaking truth to power and bringing about change in society. And so I spent a lot of time doing organizing work with uh, organizations you mentioned earlier, and um, I'm working on a master's of political science. I'm here in DC now after uh, pastoring a church for four years because I really felt like one, I can still continue to teach um, and preach and uh, educate about faith using the internet, which is something me and you were just talking about. Uh, and I can be involved um, in full-time advocacy and activism work uh, here in D.C. to actually bring about tangible change in the world. And so that's what my ministry looks like today. And that's exactly what I uh, decided to talk about in this new book project. So. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm so happy to have you participating in this. And I know your essay is going to be focused on um, kind of the types of people that are required to create change. So tell us a little bit about your thinking there. Yeah, so... I, when I first began the, 
uh, work of change making around the topic of LGBT inclusion. Um, I came from the evangelical world, and so I I felt called after I came out and was kind of rejected from that world to want to go back and create change because these were my people. And um, even though they were distancing themselves from me, I still loved them and they formed me. And um, so I found myself continually going back into non-inclusive spaces and trying to have conversations with leaders and lay people alike about my experience as a gay Christian, about theology, about all of, all of those things. And that actually became one of my biggest passions. Um, and before COVID every year, um, I've been hosting these gatherings of evangelical megachurch pastors and LGBT leaders behind, behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And we would meet for a few days and just really talk and get to know one another outside of the theological differences we had. Because the theory of change, I believe, is that if we can form empathic understanding, if we can have a real relationship that's how you ultimately change hearts and minds. But about halfway through my journey of doing that work, um, I saw a shift happen within my own self and uh, in the work that I was doing to not only understanding that heart and mind change work is important, but also valuing the work of those who might be called activists, uh, those who are speaking truth to power, those who are ready to protest and kind of turn over tables when injustice is happening. And as a bridge builder, I used to look at that at one point in my journey and say, those people are being completely unhelpful to what we're trying to do, right? Like by them being so vocal and out there, um, they're actually making it harder for me to have the conversation that I'm having. But then I found myself one morning waking up and being an activist, spending time calling people out. And uh, I had this kind of moment where I was trying to figure out what shifted in me from being just kind of the behind the scenes advocate that I was to now deciding that I needed to speak out publicly. And that led me on a journey um, to a place where I am today, where I really see that both the advocate and the activist are fundamental in any movement of social change. And so I've looked at the history of every major social reform movement in, in American history, and there's always been those who are willing to go behind the scenes and kind of influence and infiltrate those who might be seen as the enemy and form relationships with them and bring about incremental change in their hearts and minds. And there's always been a need for people to be in the streets saying like, this institution is corrupt. The church needs to change. Um, and so what I'm trying to explain in this essay is, this new perspective that I'm sitting in, it's not new uh, for so many people in this space, but, but coming to the realization that we can't, both perspectives are necessary. And so often in the activist world, we see a demonizing of them. So if you're an activist, you demonize the advocate as being a sellout because they're talking to and forming a relationship with the enemy. And if you're an advocate, you look at the activist and say, you're screwing everything up because you're just making them think we're all radical liberal burn everything down. And as uh, many people know, one of the common antidotes is like the civil rights movement. You had Martin Luther King and the Malcolm X. Um, you had two different approaches to bringing about justice, but both are essential and were essential to get the civil rights movement, the momentum it had. And I just want to help people see um, that for the conversation around LGBT inclusion, but also any conversation that we're having, there needs to be an embracing and a celebrating 
and an empowering of both advocacy and activism uh, if we're going to see any substantial change. Interesting. That, that's a great perspective. And I mean, I, I hadn't thought of it that way before, but I've actually, you know, had to make some of those kinds of decisions for myself. You know, yeah. which, which of those camps, so to speak, do I want to play in? You know, what, what's, what, what I want to be, what I want to do. And so I'm sure, you know, you've, you've had the same experience, it sounds like. Yeah. And it feels like uh, that most people in my experience are inclined towards one or the other. Like we have giftings. My disposition, I am a advocate at my core. I love uh, later today, I'm going to have a drink with a very, 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 very conservative uh, theologian here in D.C. My friends in the LGBT community would be like, why in the world are you doing that? Well, I'm wired and gifted to be able to sit with him and not be triggered and harmed and upset by the things that I know are inevitably going to be said. Um, but I don't think that's everyone's calling, right? There are some, we need people who are willing to stand outside and say, no, that theology is dangerous and it needs to change. And so um, I think there's a matter of like temperament and gifting and calling in deciding which path you engage in. And I think as with most things in the Jesus way, um, God is probably calling each of us to also cross the divide and try to engage the other way um, and that's literally how I begin the article. It's about the middle path being always the path of wisdom. It's always where the truth is found. It's when we can get into that in-between middle lane um, where we're stretched and we grow and we're challenged. That's what I think we're being called to do. Well, one of the ways this has played out for me is when I started this project, How to Heal Our Divides. And there was part of me that just said, you know, I just want to write off a whole segment of this population because I don't think they're ever going to get it. And then the other part of me said, nope, you can't do that. I mean, you have, we have to try, right? I mean, we have to try to communicate across these divides and do the healing as tough as that is, right? So even just, you know, internal to myself, I have this struggle that you're alluding to of, you know, which way to view things. And in this position that I'm playing by pulling together all these organizations, one of the things I've realized is that, I couldn't do the work that they're doing because my temperament, you know, is not adequate to be, have the patience, quite frank, frankly, this is the biggest thing, you know, I think to, to be able to do the things that all these folks are doing. And just like what you're describing, you know, uh, for your, your meeting later today, yeah. you've got the patience, you've got the temperament to be able to have those kinds of conversations. And, you know, thank God for that. I mean, thank God there are a lot of folks like you that we talk about in, the, in this book that are able to do that. But, you know, um, all of us are not gifted that way. <laughs> totally. And I think that's the, the other side of this. While I'm calling people to embrace both, um, there's, we need to also be careful not to be shaming the other side because, um, again, like it, it's amazing how uh, in these activist worlds uh, and in, in the slew of organizations uh, that exist in the world, that take one of these two approaches, there is almost a new dividing that comes between like the advocate organizations who want to build relationships, don't want to interact with the activist organizations and the activist organizations don't want to interact with the advocate organizations. I just think in this moment of intense polarization in our country and in the world, um, we're not just seeing black and white uh, dividing between conservatives and liberals. We're seeing liberals and liberals divide against each other and conservatives and conservatives and Christian and Christian, like these 
micro divisions that are happening. I think the message under the image uh, is that we've got to find ways ultimately, and this is, I feel like is my life message to empathize even with our own people who see things differently um, and understand there are different approaches. And if we're going to change the world, we should be throwing every approach we have at the process of changing the world rather than deciding that there's only one right way. And I feel like just warning us against the new fundamentalism that I feel like we can all so easily be drawn into no matter left, right, Christian or not Christian. Um, we need to resist the urge to be binary fundamentalistic and be open to a multiple, uh, multiple paths to bringing about transformation. Well, I mean, yes, I totally agree with you. And I mean, one of the things I keep having to remind myself is that, you know, I'm not always right. By definition, I'm not always right. I'm a human being, right? You know, that's yeah. imperfect. And so none of us are always right. Yeah. All of us yeah. have things to learn from people who we may not necessarily agree with. Totally. And I think, I mean, that's it. We're in an era that lacks humility, right? And that's for all of us. It's easy to demonize the others and say they're the ones without humility. Nobody has humility in 2021. It's very hard on the public stage of these to look and find anybody who's willing to compromise or change or listen to someone. And again, sometimes there needs to be a line drawn. Sometimes compromise isn't an option. Sometimes things are black and white. But in the vast majority of cases, I think if we could learn, instead of just automatically demonizing someone because they see the world differently, we do our best in whatever little way we can to listen, to think to ourselves in their posture and their shoes and understand a little bit about, get to the perspective that they have. Why do they believe the things that they do? And even if we never end up agreeing with them, um, at least we've humanized the issue. And it's not just an ideology that we're fighting against, but it's a real person that we're relating to. And it reminds me, last thing I'll say, because I can get preachy on this, uh, is Ephesians chapter six in the Bible, Paul writes, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And the way I've always interpreted that is we wrestle not against human beings, but ideologies. We can critique ideologies. We can critique disembodied opinions. But at the end of the day, we need to remember that the person on the other side is not what we're against. Um, we're not attacking the human being. Uh, we're attacking maybe the bad thing they believe or the bad value they hold. Um, and I think, again, that's where the activist and advocate approach comes together is it's the realizing that we're engaging with humans here. And that needs to temper how we uh, understand how we disagree well. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, uh, again, I really appreciate uh, you being a part of this project and um, we'll have to see where it takes us uh, beyond just this first book, but uh, um, best of luck in all of uh, your upcoming endeavors. And um, thanks again for participating in this. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be a part of it. So.